What's up, folks? Uh, taking an ad out on my own podcast just so I can let you know about, uh, once again, these upcoming dates I have for my Hard to Say show. March 22nd, I'm in Denver. March 24th, I'm in Boulder, Colorado. And March 27th, Fort Collins, Colorado. If you're there, if you know anyone there, it would mean the world to me if you let people know about this. Uh, I'm going to be doing more shows as well. Seattle, Portland, Santa Cruz, Bay Area, look out for that. But if, if you could please let people know the 22nd, 24th, and 27th, I'm going to be in Denver, Boulder, and Fort Collins doing comedy about my experience living with trigeminal neuralgia, uh, a.k.a. suicide disease. This is a show I've been working out uh, for a while that, that has been extremely fulfilling and uh, wonderful, uh, you know, despite not being good feeling physically. Um, you know, I know I harp about it a lot and all this stuff going on with my medical situation. This has been sort of my coping and my reason for continuing. So I have, uh, uh, I'm excited to finally do it somewhere else other than Los Angeles. So please, if you're in Denver, Boulder, Fort Collins, go to kyleayers.com slash shows, K-Y-L-E-A-Y-E-R-S.com slash shows. Uh, I have a mailing list you can sign up for there as well. It'll let you know when I'm in your area. That's the best stuff you could do to possibly support me would be that sort of thing there. Thank you very much. Um, I hope this was a, I hope I uploaded this ad properly to my own show. In a world where every conversation is about what movie or TV show you've just seen. This is Never Seen It. Comedians rewriting famous movies and TV shows they've never seen. Hey everybody, this is Never Seen It, the podcast where comedians rewrite famous movies they've never seen before. Today... Having never seen Jojo Rabbit, joining us is the very funny Brandon Collins. He is an incredibly funny uh, and talented comedian out of New York City. He also hosts a movie podcast called Medium Popcorn. The man takes his reviewing of films uh, uh, seriously, and he's super funny. He knows way more about movies than I ever know. And he has never seen Jojo Rabbit, and he rewrote it. And we read his script here on the podcast today. Uh, Brandon is wonderful. We're also joined by Todd Sklar, a favorite of the podcast here. His script is great. We get into talking, you know, a little bit about like depictions of of very serious events where you take some liberties. Obviously, with Jojo Rabbit, that that theme will come up. Um, director's ball, just a great time. I love his script. I love Brandon. He he's one of my oldest comedy friends from way back in the open mic days of New York. And it's great to, to see him and talk to him and, um, you know, have Todd on as well. And they, they have good film talk and I come along for the ride and it's the best. And if you like Brandon and, and you want to check out more of what he's got going on, like I said, Medium Popcorn is his podcast. He also has a show uh, coming up on uh, June 19th called Drunk Black History. And it is what you think it is. It's, it's, they're doing a live stream of it. If you're in New York, it is live at the Bell House. It may be sold out, but you can get tickets for the live stream. Follow Brandon at American Collins, and you will find that information if you're interested in watching Drunk Black History. It's going to be great. Please enjoy. Uh, Brandon Collins has never seen Jojo Rabbit, but he rewrote it and we read his script. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much. I got a lot of kind words about... The episode with Chris last week, which was really wonderful, and we got into a good talk there. 
and it's just having a nice time sort of figuring this out. Please find the show on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Never Seen It Show. Please find the show on Patreon if you want. I love that. That helps me a bunch. Patreon.com slash Never Seen It or Kyle's Patreon.com. They're, they take you the same place. I shouldn't have even gave you two options. Kyle's Patreon.com will we'll take you there. Bonus stuff going on up there. Thank you for finding this uh and, and hanging out please tell friends about the podcast we're trying to grow i'm trying to do this thing i would love to come do stand up and even a live podcast in your city tell venues that th- you're interested then to book me and that's kind of it works that way it's crazy but go ahead and and do it and and I'll, I'll try and get some dates and stuff going on i'm a little behind and it's tough um but thank you to you know to get booked and we're trying to do it thank you guys for listening Please enjoy Brandon Collins has never seen Jojo Rabbit. Uh, wait, before we start recording, can I, can I just say I have uh, I have this like weird nail infection, right? That they gave me antibiotics for. And you know, like when you go to the doctor, they like tell you if they give you like a, or not even the doctor, when you go to the pharmacy, they tell you like, here's like uh, side effects to like your medication, like, oh, like drowsiness, yeah. don't operate machinery, uh, diarrhea, yeah. upset stomach, nausea, whatever. I have not been able to stop shitting since I took these antibiotics. It is <laughs> unbelievable. It is absolutely incredible. At first I was mad about it. Now I'm just like impressed that this is like, this is better than like whatever, like prune juice or whatever they give like babies when they're constipated. They just need to give them these antibiotics. Cause it's like unbelievable. <laughs> I've never maybe experienced anything what, like it. Maybe that's what's what in the food truck, uh, the Korean food truck I went to this weekend. Cause I've been <laughs> on the toilet nonstop since Saturday night. That's wild. It is honestly, it's interesting from a science perspective of wondering like, what do they put, what are the biotics that they are destroying in my body right now by doing it? And it is probably the same thing as like food poisoning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's important that, you know, we did already start recording. So once you said before we start recording, you have to, it it, it very, very publicly, the zoom thing said, we are now recording. We haven't even talked about it. (laughs) We're just talking about shit. And I mean, that's how you start these things, right? Kyle? Yeah. yeah. Uh, And so, you know, Brandon, I do record an intro on my own. So anything we want to talk, you know, plug and all that stuff, people will get that at the beginning. It's a rough, uh, shitty start normal. Okay. Literally. And, and, um, you know, okay. Well, this is pretty on par for how this normally begins. Uh, (laughs) Todd, if you have to get up and run or something, it's okay. Brandon, if you have to, Oh no, we're clear. We've cleared this out. Okay. Um, I feel great. That's awesome. That's even That's after good, drinking hard seltzers all yesterday. Yeah, I, like I even have a. I drink a big glass of water, and I feel good about that. How you ever just go way too long without drinking water like, all the time? It, I yeah. think that was like twenty seven years. years. Yeah, twenty seven <laughs> years. Everyone jokes about it, but for real, I really you feel great. You feel great, we, especially if you get like a ice cold water from yeah. like that's distilled. Like I get like I have this Brita filter in my fridge. And when I get that in the first thing in the morning, it's it's the best start of my day. Way better than coffee. It is so good. It is. It's really funny to be in my thirties and be like, if you haven't tried this, st- hey everybody, uh, this is water. Kyle from Never Seen It here. Go to water.com/slash/never-seen-it for <laughs> infinite free water. Uh, not even anymore because Nestle owns a human right. That dude uh, wants to buy it all, dude. That is some <laughs> fucked up shit. I don't know why everyone wants to like kill Jeff Bezos because he makes a billion dollars. Like that Nestle dude wants to own the water so he can charge us for it. Yeah, that is, like fir- bond yeah. level fucking evil. The first person who should be in the guillotine is. Water is not a human right, man. Yeah. <laughs> Taking it away from us. That is just in fucking insane. 
It's crazy. I think that there's going to be, Brandon and I were talking about the social network before uh, you got here and talking about how Sorkin is really good at tackling uh, shitty people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I want him to write the Nestle movie about how, because oh, they, they knew this was happening. It's sort of like oil companies knew about climate change way before, because they were the ones studying it to see if they needed to like anti-PR it. Yes. And I think Nestle, Nestle been out here trying to own water and, and planning this bottled water escapade way before it was anything we were even aware of. That's true. That's kind of interesting to think about. Like, that's like, uh, I remember one of those Daniel Craig Bond movies, like the plot was that he was stealing all the water. And I was like, this is like the closest we will probably ever get to this issue being oh, addressed yeah. in a public conscious way. Was like, it Quantum of Solace? Quantum of Solace. Yeah. 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 Also, I, I believe was the original Guardians of the Galaxy tagline uh, was Guardians. <laughs> The Galaxy Quantum of Solace. It's a Quantum of Solace. <laughs> That's the, it feels it a lot like what Sol- they're Solace. Solace. You know, I there is know. not a lot of solace in that movie. <laughs> Did they ever say it? I like Daniel That's Craig. That one I thought was kind of forgettable, but that still one was okay. that was the worst one. Uh, well, uh, no, Spectre was pretty trash too. I but. agree. I think Spectre was the worst one. I, I revisited that Quantum Solace one. It, it held up a lot better than I remembered it. Okay, Skyfall is still really good. Skyfall is like, the, uh, like the best Spider's... Bond movie I think that exists. I personally uh, have Skyfall more. You than know what's really fun? I feel like I'm always like shitting on nerd stuff on this podcast. I get to fucking I get I can nerd out here for a second. Um, I don't know when the last time you guys watched any of the Timothy Dalton Bond movies was, which oh, are no. consistently thought of as the worst. <laughs> They're awesome. Like, dude, Living Daylights is maybe one of the best Bond movies. It's I can't so take good. Timothy Dalton seriously ever since I saw Hot Fuzz and he was understandably like, oh. so he's so crazy so. That. like I'm like oh I've, I've never just every time I see his face I just start laughing because I'm like yeah clearly I mean I don't know if anyone's seen Hot Fuzz but he seems to be permanently doing like the, this isn't going to play on a podcast the face where people go yeah, like, where you're, like, no, what? like you're doing like a what and like pull your chin in. he seems to but that's not a good face for bond bond never no. does a wtf face well but he doesn't do that in those movies he in hindsight now and now that we're in like a post daniel craig bond movie world like timothy we're not Dalton quite doing, there yet well but we're in the we're in the <laughs> craig world at least like we're in yeah. the serious bond thing like that's yeah. what Dalton was doing and he like does it really well like he is doing like the the craig thing before craig was doing it and it, it works he probably just wasn't ripped enough. A hundred percent. He looks like a dad. Like he is like not cut at all. It's really there is a, uh, it happens a little bit in bond, but I just rewatched the leftovers. And one of my favorite parts about the leftovers oh. is that, uh, but which is one of my favorite shows of all time and ends as good an ending as any show has ever had. And, but anyways, uh, um, Justin Thoreau is so hot. He's so hot. And he's just a cop that people have, to, it has to keep coming up. Like the characters have to say it <laughs> because if a char- if because anytime he comes up, someone's like, "Are you talking about the really hot cop?" That's and because if, awesome. if you don't, you're like, "Well, no one would. Everyone would be talking about this guy. He That's has like really a twenty pack, and he's just an upstate New York <laughs> sheriff. And if you, if you see him, you'd be like, you should be an actor playing a cop because you're That's so really hot. They call him the hot cop. All, you because it's it's very realistic. You would. He's way too hot. He is really hot. I, I met him once in real life at a party. Like this was probably 10 years ago now in New York. And he's really short, but also really hot. And it was kind of impressive. Also, apparently he has a decent sized piece. 
Oh, that I would does not surprise me at all. With the, definitely yeah. does not surprise me. Not that I know from personal experience, but just well, I, just, I think uh, I you know, feel like it, I feel like he would, and I feel like he would be embarrassed about it. That's like the kind of guy he is. He's like, oh yeah. Yes. He goes, you'd be like, man, I heard you have this huge, huge, huge. And he's like, hey, you know, it gets in the way sometimes, and it's like yeah, you're, trying do, it, yeah. you're trying to do. You're trying to do. I've got my ab bar on my doorway, and you're trying to do pull ups, and it just gets in the way, and you're like, just oh, weighs oh. you down. Like, but he makes you feel good, better about yourself while you're complimenting him or something like that. He's the kind of. Uh, yes. guy that would do that we should introduce everyone uh today on podcast <laughs> now that we talked about shitting daniel Thoreau's cock uh uh today on the All podcast you need to. never having been on the podcast before and never having seen jojo rabbit hey, uh hey. brandon collins thank you for being here how you doing Good. glad to be here uh, a long madness with the long time comedy friend of mine i mean going back Oof. 10 not 10 but like eight it's years. been a long time i like i like because I remember when you and Ryan had that one podcast that you recorded in the park. Yeah, we were. And I used way to see what shows yeah. and comment on it and be like, man, you guys are weird just going to a park with a microphone. It would, we would <laughs> go to awesome. a park and record a podcast and then we always get like all bent out of shape when people interrupted. <laughs> yeah. And then we're like, well, no. we're like, guys, people keep walking up to us like, yeah, we're idiots doing an idiot thing. Love it. Um, Love but that it. was, yeah. And also join us once again, Bernie Madoff on Zoom, Todd Sklar in real life. Thank you for being here, Todd. I always forget that's my Zoom name. Yeah, it's fun when we have uh, actual meetings. Hey, why (laughs) not, right? Who else would you want at a meeting besides a wonderful financial advisor like Bernie Madoff? And the hilarious thing is his video didn't come on until like a few seconds after he like fully joined. So I just saw Bernie Madoff in like a black street. I'm like, wait. What he's dead, right? Like, what's going on here? I, there's got to be a moment at some point where somebody like joined somebody like that joined the wrong Zoom meeting. Like Jerry Sandusky, like joined like a Zoom meeting. It was supposed to be like a prison thing, and it ended up being like a, a normal Zoom meeting, and just like shows up and people are like, oh my god, what the I don't fuck know. is this guy doing? I here? don't know if Jerry Sandusky's allowed to do prison Zooms. <laughs> what are you right. possibly talking about? You're probably right. That's true. Yeah, they, I they hope were going near the internet at all. Will they? Have I, you're good them. call, you guys. And if they, you know what, we should look into that. We should make sure. Or maybe that's why what happened happened because he did go to internet Touché. trying that's to do Zoom meetings that's and they true. were like, no, we got to shut this down. We got to get this. Yeah, take he's, care. Trying to, he's trying to Zoom bomb. He strikes class. me as a guy who leaves a digital footprint. Like this is a kind of, that, I feel like Jerry Sandusky's falling for phishing scams. Do you know what I mean? Yes. They're just yes. like, hey, I need a thousand. I, I'm going to give you a million dollars. And he's like, oh, that sounds like yeah, a lot should, of my yeah. problems. <laughs> uh, I went on some giant... Anyways, I'm not going to go on my giant rant about how uh, uh, boomers always make fun of millennials, but also they fall for phishing scams. We're not going on it. We're not going down that. Jojo Rabbit. Uh, uh, this is another. Okay. So we're talking about social network. There's always these movies, and social network comes up as an example a lot, mm-hmm. that are nominated for or best picture. It, it just seems like the best picture. I don't know. It's such a weird barometer of measuring a movie. And Jojo Rabbit was one of these movies that was nominated for 50 or 60 times and seemed to not have won anything. It won original screenplay. Original screen. That's so an original screenplay is always the award they give out for the movie everyone really really liked watching but old people might not have. That yep. seems to be what best original That's screenplay. That's why Jordan like, Peele won for Get Out. I did not I, I really like he was winning all the awards from like there's no way the academy is going to give it to him. Right, and he's it's, winning it's, he's winning every other award. Yeah. It's the most popular movie. Like the the most popular movie usually always wins best original screenplay like last year was promising young women right like yeah, I yeah. Think it's always the, the quentin one that tarantino people... award like yeah. the, 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 the the movie where everyone really talked about it a lot and enjoyed watching it and then it we don't want the director to have a speech during prime time 
That's yep. interesting because all three of those movies, I feel like Kyle, we've talked about this probably in private, not on the podcast before, but definitely maybe even on the podcast about how a lot of like the prestige movies that are enjoyable movies now are like good movies, if not great movies, but they're, they would have just been regular movies in, you know, a decade ago or two decades ago. And like all three of those movies to me are perfect movies for that exact thing of like, these movies would have been just regular movies in the nineties, but we are so devoid of like, good original movies that like feel like they were complete thoughts and like take you to a place like that, that we, they are celebrated like literally prestige movies now. Well, well, it's always also, it's about the creative team behind it. Right. Like when you said that, I just thought about the dark Knight, Right. And I thought like, you know, in theory, that's just a crime thriller. Like it's, it, it just happens to star Batman and these fantastical yes. characters, but it really could have just been this really fucked up. This dude's trying to like find a serial killer and like, you know, he's losing everything in the process. Right. Yes. But because yes. they put Batman on it, it took on like a different level of like uh, mainstream uh, appeal and stuff like that. And I think that that changed the superhero uh, genre game. But I just I always watch that movie like at least once a month because Christopher Nolan was so fucking focused and he had such a great tone for how he wanted Gotham City to look what he wanted out of these performances. It's It's one of the. It's in my top 10. I think about The Dark Street. Knight because it definitely, I mean, I think it influenced superhero movies in a not great way because <laughs> The Dark Knight is serious, but it's also a cartoon. Like there are cartoonish parts and all that it seems like money, people who make superhero movies took away from it was make it as dark as possible. And I was like, well, yeah. but, but the bad guy slides down a flaming pile of money. Like, you know what I mean? It's kind of a cartoon a little bit. And, and it's just so, yeah, he I think that with a pencil. he killed a guy with a pencil. That's yeah. what, that's what Nolan really teetered the line, but it doesn't get enough credit for also being kind. It's not like fun. But no. it is still a cart. There are still cartoony parts. He's like the, the Ledger eating that shrimp cocktail, walking into the party is so ridiculous and everything yes. like that. And then it seems like all DC took away from it is what if it was as serious as possible? And I was like, but it's not. It could have. It's not as serious as possible. It's just the the director really, really. Spe- also, as time goes on. I, I think The Dark Knight holds up really well. I think Batman Begins is feels a little different. Uh, but The Dark Knight Rises, as time goes on, I'm just like, man, I wish Bane was on to something. Dude, that's the best. <laughs> that is the best Batman movie. That might be the best superhero movie. That third one, like, that gets more prescient by the day. It's really, really insane. But that, that, that third act kind of fell apart with Talia and stuff. Like, I think I think they should have just kept with Bane as the main dude. Like, the way that Bane went out after being so menacing for two and a half plus hours, I was like, oh, that's that's how we do this? Okay. That's yeah, fair. But, that is but a little it, bit it is a, always tough. It, it's always kind of frustrating when the biggest bad, if you think think of like super like superhero movies, a big, big, big bad just sort of goes down and it actually was someone else this whole time, the mastermind yeah. who's not strong or something like that. Yeah. And you're just like, well, I mean, sure, but I didn't need a misdirect at the end of that, that movie. I'm fine with Batman fighting the giant because he hadn't fought a big buff guy. I'm fine with yeah. them fighting a big buff guy. And but also Bane worked too well. Like that's a thing where if that character doesn't work as well as it does, then that twist is, is additive, but it definitely is a thing where because but, of how well that works, it's like, I'm, it is a bit of a letdown. I'm at this point. I'm like, maybe Bane needs to find this Nestle CEO. Like maybe we need, yes. maybe we need Bane to just walk around Silicon Valley and, and edge things out a little bit and make everyone feel, I don't, he doesn't need to go to a football game, but he and could probably go to yet. like a lacrosse match. And blow Dude, that up and it'd be all right. I mean, we take, you I know, think, <laughs> I, even if it was a duplicross match, 
Or no, those guys were innocent. That's not even a joke you can make. Those dudes were like innocent victims. Just kidding. They should be on Bane's team getting back at the media for fucking them over. Or maybe just hanging out and not yeah. involved with this. But it's... Yeah. <laughs> I forgot those guys yeah, we were don't innocent. need to include that. I think we, that uh, uh, also, I think that Marvel really benefited from Christopher Nolan's movies because they got to zag at, in, at such a moment and just oh, have yeah. such a, a comical, fun, well, like embracing their cartoon elements and and that was just such a people were so excited for that well that's when the a a plus players in hollywood started doing comic book movies right like think about it now like the only a-listers that haven't done a combo movie are like leo and denzel but that's and like about the, what's it. wild about the comic book stuff is so huge that crazy. anyone who hasn't everyone's like who are they gonna be they're not like wouldn't it be crazy if they joined like who yeah. do you think denzel will yeah. be who will the, the rock is doing it now who seemed to be like the last holdout of just being the rock in movies. Yeah. Like <laughs> well, once Will Smith is in, I think that's like Will Smith, Tom Cruise. There's, st- I think they're still, you know, making movies as Will Smith and Tom Cruise, but it feels well, like Will Smith was in one. He was, in, isn't he part of, a oh, yeah, he's squad. in dead. He's yeah. in a, a suicide squad. That's a, it's interesting because like take not to get like uh cynical and get like behind the numbers of it, but like the reality is cinema, those- Nicole, we, this is Cinema Nicole. This is this is that's going to be the Todd Sklar podcast, Cinema Nicole, where he we just start that. We just talk about Duke Lacrosse and Jerry Sandusky. <laughs> oh, uh, I right. feel like uh, I, I feel like the the reality is like those guys aren't in those movies because they don't have to be. Hopefully, ever, but possibly just yet. But the reality is like those are dudes who can still get a movie made on their own. So like Denzel can take a script that isn't a comic book movie and still get it made. And same with Tom Cruise. Same with Will Smith to some extent. And same with Leo. But like. Those are, you know, there's only a handful of guys who can do that now. And the reality is, like, if you want to be in a movie that gets made, you know, a comic movie is one of the only few sure things. So, I mean, for a lot of those yeah, people, you're that's either like in the a, only way you know you have a job. You're either in a $2 million budget horror movie or a $500 million budget superhero movie. Exactly. Or uh, you're hoping. Just <laughs> hoping. Uh, what? That's what, oh, so, okay, so not virgin, veering too far off of Jojo Rabbit, which I also have not seen. I don't know if you've seen it, Todd. I have. Um, there is now a small resurgence of director-led. Like, this, uh, directors are almost, this is a wide brush, but people are more excited for, people are excited for actors. People are very excited for particular directors now. They get yes. super excited for them. And um, I think it's been since uh, Nolan. I think when Nolan, Nolan really like, and I hate to keep going back to Dark Knight, but he really flipped a switch in regards to people being able to recognize tone and like a vibe, right? Like it was like Nolan, Fincher, and I think that's that's about it. Like the people that like, you watch their movies, you're like, this is a David Fincher movie. This is this is a Christopher Nolan movie. And then after that people started getting their own signature takes. So Taika Waititi, like my, my understanding is that his, his films have always been kind of absurd and out there a little bit. Yeah. It's just that Thor Ragnarok was like his most mainstream film where it was like all these things came together for it to be well received. And then he's been using that to propel. His There's career. something so cool yeah. and interesting about uh, a director with a particular vision, getting to apply it to a world everyone's familiar with. So by the time Ragnarok came out, that's what, like the 16th movie or 17th movie in this universe? And people know what's going on. And then you get to see somehow a fresh look at a thing you've spent 40 hours with. And it, it's sort of fun. It's like if a really, you know, if, if people got to direct an episode of The Simpsons now or something, like Ooh, a world that everyone's yep. super familiar with. And so then everyone's like, oh, I love this. I love how he is with this. 
because he made me what he made me thor and you know everyone in there that he i love how he took on the characters that i'm super familiar with now let me see what he does with other things now he's kind of like i mean he's like as hot as there is right now for like a director and he's also very funny at acting and that kind of does all he's also literally hot because he's making out with tessa thompson and rita ora so oh yeah yeah i mean the man is just <laughs> at this point this is it's about as high of a high as you can get he's also um, uh not to like uh humble brag but uh i used to know taika i like, haven't uh, spoken to him since he's become successful but he's also like one of the nicest guys like genuinely people say like a famous person is nice he is like truly like a mother Teresa level nice human being i mean you got to be a really likable person and make them, you know, like from my understanding, is he's getting some crazy performances out of people, right? Like, like he he made people say, "Oh, Chris Chris Hensworth can be funny." I didn't know that. Yeah, right. And yeah. like legitimately funny, not just not just funny in a way. Yes. Hemsworth is funny in a way where it's not just, "Oh, look at the buff guy being funny." Like he's in, he's funny in a way that like Channing Tatum is also very very funny and yes. could have been funny if they weren't like gorgeous buff men. Do you know what I mean? The yeah. punchline isn't always just that particular mm. thing. They seem to understand what is funny about stuff. Twenty One Jump Street still holds up, man. It's I watched really it uh, about a month and a half ago, and it's nonstop laughter. But I it's think really funny. Lord of Miller, but who also have their own tone. If you see a Lord of Miller film, you know like the pacing. You're like this is this is definitely their signature. I thought Twenty Two Jump Street was also very funny. Yeah. It is. It is. It's just I, the twenty first Jump Street. I just was so the surprised by one Jump Street. <laughs> I, was just, <laughs> I was so surprised by their chemistry and just like the, the the timing. I think that came out around the same time Lego Movie did. I'm like, man, these guys are out of their minds, but they're Lord, Lord Miller. Miller hilarious. They're great, man. They're great. Yeah, like the thing you're talking about with tone and vibe, like that's like in movie nerd, uh, you know context it's like a tour theory basically the, the director is the author of the movie and like that is definitely a thing that in the 90s we had like a big research of that with like wes anderson and pt anderson and david o russell and spike jones and tarantino and stuff and then now we do have like a second one to some extent with guys like nolan and and lord miller and jordan peele, I mean, jordan peele uh, very yep. clearly has like a, a tone and uh you know puts a signature on every movie and like it's interesting because when that originally that was like originally like a, a 70s thing but even like in the 90s when you kind of had like it's a second wave of auteurs if you will that wasn't marketed that way i mean even like miramax who was like releasing most of the movies by those filmmakers was they were doing it as like prestige movies because of those filmmakers but like now people brand it as a christopher nolan movie or as a jordan peele movie and, and that's kind of like an impressive new thing it's also happening with tv shows too i mean like uh you know i keep mentioning fincher but Jason Bateman is a fantastic director. If you see his episodes of Ozark and The yeah. Outsider, totally, yeah. they're very similar. Because I remember seeing the episode of The Outsider, I'm like, this feels like that Jason Bateman episode of Ozark. And then it said directed by Jason Bateman. I'm like, got it. So he's got his own specific kind of feature-like tone. He he just needs to do with like a full feature thriller, and I, I guarantee he'll get a bunch of Oscar nominations. He did a dark comedy that was very well directed. Uh, I forget what it was called, but it was like about a spelling bee. It was it was a I think pretty funny. Like I liked the movie in general, but B it's very very well directed. He also used to do a lot of commercials. Him and Will Arnett had like a company mm, yep. that just did commercials, and he directed some really good commercials. Yeah, he's awesome. I, I just I don't think he directed, but I just watched Game Night on an airplane, and I, that was the funniest thing. I couldn't oh believe how funny God. that was. It's just a really funny yeah. movie that existed who's, that people didn't talk about. It's just so funny. The who's movie, the guy from And I Lights in that? Who's the neighbor? I haven't uh, seen yeah. Friday Night. Oh, um, um, oh what's my this, gosh. What's the Jet, actor's Pl- name? Pl- Plimpton? I can't remember. Oh, Jesse, Jesse Plemons. Plemons. Yeah, Jesse Plemons. Yeah, he was in Jesse Plemons is so that. particular in She's everything, so and somehow, <clears throat> somehow, the first. So when you watch. 
when everyone in the world was watching Breaking Bad and Jesse Plemons showed up, the way he behaved in that made you think that he would be cornered forever because he was so particular. Sometimes someone is so particular in something mm. that you're like, they'll never break out of this. But he has in such an incredible way. He's very funny in Fargo and very good in that. He's so right, funny really in Game Night. He's, yeah, he's so great. incredibly funny and still is kind of the creepy, like, Todd Breaking Bad Dude, but character. Woody, Woody. But it's, it's that movie. I just loved it. Just a super funny movie that existed in the super funny movie you, it just did its thing and it was over and they didn't try and make everything make complete sense. And there were a lot of things that were just jokes to be jokes and yes. everyone was hilarious. And I had a good time watching it on. Yeah, it was so good. Like, uh, he's like, you have a lot of chips. It's like, Oh, they had a sale. Like it was like seven for $2. He's like, how does uh Tostitos expect to make a profit? With yeah. Those <laughs> it's a great question. Though. It really is. I mean, and then a, he, he a, finds uh, all the research he did emailing so Tostitos good. to ask if they had a particular <laughs> yeah. sale on that. It was nice. I like a movie. You know, it was very tight and there weren't a ton of characters and you just sort of like followed them around. It was funny. And I felt like Tag was the same way. I felt like that was just that like was a nice funny. self-contained funny movie. Yeah. I couldn't good. believe that was based with. on a real story. But I'm like, that's sometimes I work really, really hard on things. And then I see they made a movie based on when some guys played tag for a while. <laughs> and it makes me feel real sad. I was like, well, I'm I'm working hard. Please, please. <laughs> I, I uh, my leg hurt. Can we make a movie based on when my leg hurt or something? Yeah. I don't care if John Hamm's leg hurts in the movie is fine. Um. OK, so we. Uh, oh, damn, I, there's something that I, I really. I have to think about it. What was the thing I really am? Well, I'll never remember the rest of my life. Who knows? Uh, I had something I was like, I got to get, I got to say this particular thing. You were going to say that you read my script and it's a masterpiece. I didn't read it yet. And I, I want to read it as we go through it. Oh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Halfway through the uh, episode, you're just going to be like, Brandon, we can't, we can't release this. It'd be so funny when we edit the script out. Um, yes. Oh, we'll talk about this. That happened. Okay. Uh, so for my movie review podcast, Media Popcorn, we write a script that I wrote in college for a screenwriting class. And at the time, you know, this is a humor in 2007 was way different than it is in 2021. Right. Yeah. And I booked a bunch of comedy friends to read this, the script and none of them are read it beforehand. So we're all like with our, you know, the audience in the zoom room, we're reading it. And each person I booked on the show was like in their own way, Brandon, you're going to get canceled. If this gets out. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, it's just like the, the trade of thought, like the character development. It was like, it's supposed to be like a, a young version of that movie brick with uh, that Ryan Johnson yeah. and Joseph Gordon Levitt. But it was like these, these like eight year old kids and they're trying to find an iPod and they all talk like in that movie, like, Oh, like gumshoe detective, like, and it's just batshit crazy. And so I'm really worried about this going to the public masses because I just think my writing style is completely bonkers. I think you'll be okay. <laughs> we just yesterday we were, I was talking with some people. We were talking about how there used to be unrated DVDs. Do you remember getting super yep. excited about when they? Oh, but yeah. but really, what it was was they just um, added in everything they cut out and made it seem like they were doing more. It's not like they made anything different or like specific. They just, these movies are all rated R, and they just added like two more boobs for three minutes and sold you a more expensive DVD. And and was, I remember like American Pie was a big unrated DVD. And um, but we already uh, saw the boobs, right? Not and as many like, though. They had even more boobs in the unrated thing, man. Like Do Wedding this. Crashers. That was the big Wedding Crashers. Like, what if the boob montage was longer? And you're like, I don't know. It'll just be weird when my parents are here. Like that's what that's the difference that'll happen. That scene will be on when my parents walk in. No matter, time. even if I'm not at home with them, I'll be like in a different town and they'll just walk into the background while I'm watching. Uh, hey, like, what are you watching? watching? Oh, what is yeah. this? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
All right, let's show Joe, let's show Joe Rabbit uh, and, and talk about this. This movie just came out. Was it two years ago now? I think, I think two years ago. Two yeah, Oscars uh, the ago? Year, it's the year of marriage story because Scarlett Johansson got nominated twice. One was for Jojo Rabbit. Oh, I didn't even know she was in this movie. Uh, That's the only thing. The only things I know about it are Scarlett Johansson, I think, plays a mom. Yeah. uh, yeah. And that uh, Adolf Hitler's in it. That's all I know. Also plays a mom. Yeah, the way to sell a movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a good. This is why you got to let people make their. um, You got to be like director driven and sort of like freedom driven, because if you actually wrote the actual. If you, Brandon, walked in to pitch this movie, people are probably starting to look at their phones 10 minutes into the pitch. Oh, no, if, I probably <laughs> have their attention, but they're probably also like texting like security to be like, hey, we don't stand by. <laughs> you gotta fucking see this shit. No, man. no, this no, but Hitler's crazy. funny. And everyone's like, okay, how did this guy get in here? <laughs> uh, so cast it however you'd like. You can have us play whoever we want. You can have, you can read the stage directions. You can also cast it as we go if you want. It's It's really up to you for what you'd like to do. I'm sorry, you broke up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, cast it all however you'd like to cast it. Um, and then okay. we'll play whoever we want. And, and All right. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Bernie, you could be Marta. Cool. <laughs> uh, Kyle, you'll be, you'll be Lars. Okay. And Adolf. And I'll read the script directions, and I'll be JoJo and the market owner. Okay, great. Oh, great. Boy. Wow, finally I got cast in something without having to audition. And it was Adolf. Oh, jeez. All right. right, Whenever you're ready. Oh, boy. All right. Exterior, German village market day. We open on a small German village where little market carts and shops are booming with activity. We're in Germany during the height of war. Shit is crazy. But on this day, things seem to be okay. We pan around the market and then hone in on Marta. Mid-30s, blonde, raspier voice than you would expect from a German, is smiling to herself as she hop, uh, shops in a small merchant market, looking at ink pens, books, and some children toys. She looks through a collection of woodland toys and spiral nails that are clearly too dangerous for children. Marta finally comes upon a brown stuffed rabbit. It has black buttons for eyes, a creepy stitched smile, and a gold chain around its neck. Marta's smile spreads as she grabs the doll from the shelf. She then runs out of the market down the street with the doll. Market owner, Black Widow stole my stuffed bunny. Oh Lord! <laughs> Interior German hut, kitchen, living room day. Marta, breathless, closes the door behind her. She takes some deep breaths after realizing she has made it back safely home. Sitting in front of her is her son Lars, eight years old, inquisitive and potentially insane. Lars is sitting at a table drinking a cup of milk and writing on parchment paper with a mechanical pencil. Mama, are you okay? Yes, Lars. Yes, I'm fine. Martha, Martha then pulls the stuffed bunny from under her dress and holds it up to Lars as she approaches him at the table. Mama brought you a present. Oh, splendid, Mama. Just what I needed in the midst of Germany on the cusp of becoming a global empire. Lars reaches out his skinny little hands towards the doll. Martha hands it to him and he holds it up to take it all, taking all of its essence. Jojo. Jojo? However, did you think of a name like that? I don't know. I'm a child. Oh, aren't you my baby? <laughs> Marta <laughs> claps her hands together and begins to back out of the room. For now, my darling, I will let you play with your doll for a while. Mama is going to sleep now because she had a little too much Jägermeister at the market. 
Marta exits the room, leaving Lars and Jojo to look at one another while we pan around and see Adolf Hitler hiding under a table in the corner of the room. He's way too big to be hiding in one of those small spaces. We zoom in on his face, <laughs> twisted in pain, as he tries to keep hidden from view. Cut back to Lars and Jojo. Lars begins speaking to the doll. It's very nice to meet you. My name is Lars Ulrich. <laughs> after, after a few moments of Lars realizing that Dow is not going to speak back, a voice comes out of the Dow's stitched mouth. What's up? I'm Jojo. You talk? Only to you, young blood. That's incredible. And you speak so well. Thank you, bruh. My previous owner was a scholar <laughs> from the UK. Taught me a lot about the metric system and ebonics. Very nice. I must get my other toys so you can meet them. Lars hops off his chair and exits the room. I feel like I'm doing like the laziest Stewie Griffin voice anyone's ever done. <laughs> Anyways, I'm so glad that Rabbit talked back to me. Otherwise, I was going to rip its head off and feed it to stray cats. Life. Jojo Rabbit is left on, uh, laying on the table. It then becomes fully alive, a la Toy Story, and glances around the room like a goddamn T-1000. In his scanning, he discovers Adolf, who is still nervously trying to act invisible to the naked eye. Oh, hello, sneaky German man. Jojo then jumps off the table and begins to approach Adolf under the table, the bar table. Adolf nervously groans as Jojo comes closer. <clears throat> no, you didn't see anything. I'm a figment of your man. I'm doing like sort of like a take on this, a historically inaccurate Hitler. It sounds um, like you're doing Kyle as Hitler. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's avant-garde. Uh, <clears throat> Very auteur. No, you didn't see. You Now he's French. Okay, we're going to go back to Kyle. <laughs> I mean, if Hitler, if everything had progressed how he wanted to, yep. the French would have sounded like Hitler. Okay. Um, no, you didn't see anything. I'm a figment of your imagination. Hey, hey, no need to get nervous. It's me, baby. Jojo the Talking Rabbit. You are the devil. Have you been sent here to make to take me to hell? I mean, that ain't really my life's mission, you know, taking souls to hell and all. I really want to be a baker before this clock called life winds down. But yeah, my killer instinct is to protect, protect my new owners. And seeing a creepy man hiding under the table is definitely high on my what the fuck is going on alert. <clears throat> now Hitler drops his accent. Look, I was ahead of the curve. Listen, man. Adolf takes a deep breath as if the weight of the world is sl slowly sliding off his shoulders. Uh, my name, your real name is Gregory, and I'm from Utah. This whole thing is a facade. I'm not sure how everything got so crazy. I used to work at a local bakery with dreams of one day changing the world. I moved to Germany to paint and shit, just went sideways. I needed a place to lie low while all this war stuff died down. Yeah, I'm going to stop you right there. See, I don't care about why you're here. All I know is that this is creepy and we can't have two creepy elements in this house without raising suspicion. So I need you to get, get out of here. You're going to let me go? Sure, bro. I'm just, I'm trying to put death behind me, man. And I'm, I'm going to start with you. <clears throat> oh, donkey, donkey. Short beat between the two. I'm just messing with you, man. I won't kill you. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, Jojo grows long, sharp claws out of their stuffed hands. Been a long time since I had me some German blood. <laughs> Over, overhead shot we see Jojo jump under the bar table and hear muffled screams and slicing sounds as the table rattles violently against the ground ungodly amounts of blood begin to shoot and flood out from under the table cut to interior hallway day I, I mean I told you Kyle it's gonna be <laughs> <laughs> Lars walks by Marta's bedroom where he peeks into the room through the cracked door interior Marta's room day 
Martha is eating a schnitzel with her hands while laying in a large metal tub of hot soap water. She's humming a German song to herself. So this is inspired by uh, Billy Madison. Oh, hell yes. When he when he <laughs> walks by the classroom and sees the teacher with the glue in her eyes, putting the glue oh, in her eyes. Oh, yes. I just always love like random <laughs> shit like that with no context. You're just like, what? Like, and they just keep it moving, right? Miss so that's, Lippy, that's what inspired that. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. Interior hallway day. Lars pulls away from the door and continues down the hall to his bedroom. He opens the door. Interior bedroom day. Despite this all taking place in the 1940s, there's a Britney Spears poster a la Oops, I Did Again era on the wall above his small wooden bed frame. Lars goes to one of the shelves on the left wall and pulls off another stuffed animal, Mace the Lobster, then a wooden mailer duck and a G.I. Joe and carries the objects in his arms and exits the bedroom. Interior kitchen living room day. Lars enters the kitchen again to find the entire wooden floor covered in blood and Jojo sitting in front of Adolf's chopped up corpse a la Daniel Plainview and there will be blood. Jojo breathes heavily and slowly turns when he realizes that Lars has returned. Lars, terrified and tightly gripping his toys, stares at Jojo. Jojo looks over at Adolf's body and the back of the innocent Lars. He fell. I mean, I try to help him. I swear. Are you sure you didn't do that? Also, is that Adolf Hitler? Word? Oh, damn. He did look familiar. But that's the Fuhrer. They'll kill me and my mama if they find out. Lars begins crying and hyperventilating. <laughs> hey, 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 it's going to be all right, baby. I'm going to take care of the body and you and your mom. Don't worry, youngin. Jojo stands up and despite being covered in blood, they, op- they open their arms as a sign that they want a hug from uh, Lars. Come on, homie. Come in for a hug. <laughs> Lars, still crying, drops the toys in his arms and slowly walks over to Jojo and falls into his embrace. Jojo uses his stuffed, soft hands to sl- softly caress Lars's hair, spreading blood through the beautiful blonde locks as he holds him <laughs> lovingly. Don't worry. Uncle Jojo got you. Jojo looks directly <laughs> at the camera as he holds Lars. His small smile spreads so wide that it looks like the stitching might rip. Fade to black. Hell yeah, dude. It's so fucking wild. I told Kyle before we started recording, I like I took a an edible and I've been working on this all weekend. And so this is all just edible. <laughs> yeah, that's great, uh, man. Who is great? Who is the rabbit? In so Jojo I, I, Rabbit. I, I don't so know. I, that's that's why, like for me, like whenever I hear the word Joe, like the name Jojo, I either think about that uh pop singer from like the early two thousands, or I'm thinking of a black dude. So I was like, Oh, what if like the rabbit is like a black dude and then but I knew Hitler was in there somewhere, so I was just like, "How do I, how do I make this all work?" But Wait, I don't pop, know what Jojo Rabbit. Pop singer, is. are you like talking about like Jojo from Jodeci and like Casey and Jojo? I mean, I guess that's probably what subconsciously came into my mind. I'm into that. That's that's pretty <laughs> fun. I don't think I have ever thought about that before, and now that's all I'm going to think about. Oh, now I should have made him just talking all Casey and Jojo lyrics. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get that's such a it's a, the title is so wild and not and then all that really permeates from it is the director and that Hitler's and he, I think he plays Hitler. Doesn't he, does. he in his own he does. movie? That's all I remember is like Hitler dancing next to him and like Scarlett Johansson being it. There's like, something oh. and I also haven't seen it. So Todd, you have seen it, so you can there's something so bold about playing Hitler in a movie you're directing because then you have to you have to be Hitler and then you have to say <laughs> cut and say, We got it. Yep. Did it right. <laughs> of yourself well, being Hitler. Hitler. Yeah, nailed it. Nailed <laughs> Hitler. 
Yep. Does he? And he's not German. No. No, he's like New not Zealand. Jewish either. Yeah. Yeah, he's no, from New not, Zealand. Zero uh, way to write that one off. Like that's just. Uh, it's interesting. It's. Yeah, I, I like. I still like don't really have much desire to see it. I usually see like a lot of the Oscar contenders, especially now, like because I'm I'm like Ron Tomatoes critic and stuff. But I remember like I asked my wife at the time, I'm like, "Hey, do you want to see Jojo Rabbit?" She's like, "No, nah, I'm good on that." And then I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't really like find the time to watch it myself. Even when it was on HBO Max, I remember like scrolling through and being like, "Oh yeah, that I'll add it to my list," but I, I just haven't watched it. You know what's interesting? I feel like uh, a thing you were talking about earlier about how like movies that have like a very specific tone and vibe and kind of mood to them. I feel like this movie, it has clearly it has that like it's okay. very a very specific viewpoint. But like just by like being aware of it and seeing seeing the trailer, it doesn't give you a tone or a mood that like you'd be like, oh, I, I want this right now. So it's like a I, weird I, movie to want to watch at any time. It's very interesting. I heard that as well. And I got a, I don't know if you guys remember the movie Life is Beautiful. Oh yeah, of course. I remember like, you know, like that, that swept the Oscars, right? I hadn't seen the movie yet. So I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'll see it. And all the clips they showed of Life is Beautiful is like this really sweet movie. Like, you know, this Italian Jew dude. It's like, you yeah. know, Claro, Claro. You're like, oh, this is like, seems weird. And like, you know, he was so rambunctious at the Oscars. So I see the movie. Oh, yeah, that is that is like <laughs> one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my yeah. life. Like the ending was so sad. Yeah. I'm, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. It's not beautiful. That's funny. <laughs> that is definitely true. That's a good call. Uh, ever since I like when I heard like, oh, yeah, Jojo's Jojo rap is like a lot more serious than like it seemed. I'm like, no, nah, I'm OK on that. Then. I'm good. Yep. I guess, yeah, I, to me, it seems so goofy because he is so goofy as Hitler in the clips that you see. Like, so almost like cartoonishly over the top uh, that I just assume it's like mostly a comedy. Um, I, there's this weird thing that happens with movies like this. People seem to not. There's some people who didn't really love this movie. And I think they didn't like like the. I don't know. There's it comes up every once in a while now where like you have hateful people portrayed on screen. Mm hmm. And including like the most hateful man historically of a century. Uh, and then, I don't know, people find con whether or not you can have people saying bad things and doing bad things because they are bad people, what that can do. And then like taking like a loose, I guess, uh, um, interpretation on Hitler and whether you're, I, I don't know how he does it in the movie. So, Todd, you can speak to this. Um, people seem to say, well, it is this doing a disservice to the to it or is this doing a wild service mm. to it and i saw people on both sides of that saying like oh i didn't like this movie because i don't like when this is um uh trivialized or other people saying like well the trivializing of it or portraying him in a different way actually disarms him and it lets them teach or show or something like this through it i haven't seen the movie so i don't know that's just really what i remember about it where was it was like polarizing for exactly that what that's so interesting because just like uh, glorious bastards, right? Like, and they had right, that, that's, a, that's a movie that also over like, the top version of Hitler in that, right? Like, and I don't remember yeah. any controversy coming about that. I Neither do I. He, and that's a movie I feel like was even more over the top. so fucking wild because they, yeah. I mean, they literally like just have scenes where they're per, like celebrating, bashing in the heads of Germans, which I get. Like in in that time of his war, but like they're literally cheering and like no one said anything about it, like. Oh, yeah, purposefully okay. gratuitous. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. comically nicknamed uh, war crime weapon. The bear Jews. Yeah, 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 yeah. Things like that. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know. I also don't <clears throat> remember that exact that, that similar thing. But that movie is also ten years older than this. I was one. gonna say we were at a time culture wise where we weren't uh, like having debates about those types of things. Not like, only did, more importantly, like people might have written something about that at the time, but like there wasn't uh, cultural capital in the debate. I feel like now, like people are searching for that conversation to have, whether they feel strongly about the issue or not. Well, how did you feel seeing it, Todd? Were you like, I? It's interesting. I, I so like all of my grandparents are Holocaust survivors, uh, and so like I don't do well usually with Holocaust movies. I don't. I just don't like uh, like. It, this is a horrible stance to take on it, but like I don't like having to acknowledge that that like happened to like people that I care about. So like I have a hard time with anything Holocaust in general. I definitely have a hard time with like things that trivialize it in any way at the same time. So like that didn't work for me with Jojo Rabbit at the same time. I am almost just as like strongly passionate about like filmmakers doing original work, risk taking things in Hollywood that shouldn't get made, getting made uh, like all of the reasons why that movie shouldn't have worked and should have caused more of a stir than it did are reasons that I loved it for that, for those reasons. So like not any, like in a weird way, like I, I liked it for the wrong reasons and disliked it for the right reasons. And it kind of left me in a weird place afterwards. Huh? Interesting. Well then how did it, I thinking about thinking of it relative to, and I, I don't, I haven't seen, it, I don't think it's a similar movie at all to inglorious bastards, except for like the, uh, uh, historically fictional view of Hitler and the Holocaust. Well, I think uh, a bit, there's a, the big difference, I think, between the two is that, like, Jojo Rabbit, despite being, like, an absurd movie and an absurd comedy, I would almost maybe argue, uh, takes itself serious from a subject matter standpoint. Like, there is okay. a core and heart to the movie that is serious, uh, and Inglorious Bastards does not do that at all. Like, that is classic Tarantino. There is no substance to that movie. That is just a dude doing revenge fantasy and ripping off movies that he loves and doing, you know, them better than the originals, arguably. Uh, so, like, that's just, like, the, I would say, despite Jojo Rabbit being a more absurd movie, I would say that, like, the lack of, like, a core to Inglorious Bastards makes it more frivolous and lighter as a result. I think that, yeah. that, that the fact that it's, it is uh, so cartoonish allows everyone's favorite character to be uh, a horrible um, Nazi. Fassbender? Like, no, no. Oh, no, no. I don't know. <laughs> Waltz. Everyone takes away from that movie oh, that Christoph yeah. Waltz. I mean, he, you know, he, he's, he is so good and everyone loves what you want more scenes with the worst guy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because he is the, the opening scene to that is just wild. Well, Tarantino like, always yeah. writes really good villains. And so he sure does. that's that's why, like, you know, Leo, I think, is one of the biggest Oscar snubs of all time with Django and Jane. Like, Django? He was, he, I could not agree more. Something so crazy in that, um, especially if you're but, going um yeah. what leonardo dicaprio did and didn't win awards for <laughs> exactly. uh uh not he, he seems to get no acknowledgement for his putting himself out there really really large roles that the stuff that i think only he could have done he seems yeah. to not get the acknowledgement for the stuff that literally a stuffed doll could have done he seems to win an oscar for <laughs> true it's really true that is, that's is. weird but you know I, I i sometimes i you know you wonder if like well could Inglorious Bastards, blah, blah blah, come out now. Yeah, it easily could have because he made a revenge porn movie about something 
notorious two notorious American events, and yeah, I mean I like, like I'm not equating got, them to each that other. Got but flack and like backlash that was I feel really? like totally undeserved. I feel like there was a conversation going on about that movie that like about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? Yeah, I feel like that blew my yeah. mind that people were like, "Oh, revisionist history. This is such so problematic." It's like he's done that in almost every one of his movies. Yeah, it's funny it's that the it way becomes that he, problem. <laughs> sorry, it's the way that Brad Pitt um, beat beat those uh, the female yes, the characters at the end. I think yes. that that's where. Because I remember even at the, at the movie, because you forget that Tarantino has these quiet moments and then he has just these hardcore acts of violence that you like don't even see coming. Yes. That's exactly what that scene was. And I think because of the way he was like bashing their heads in, like they're, you know, brutalizing the, the intruders. I think that that's what triggered some people. Yeah, it, it definitely is. But I think what's interesting to me is like those are the same people that had problems with like this being like not a historical document or whatever. And mm. I feel like that is exactly I feel like and he loves brutalizing stuff in general. But like that was a very brutal murder. Like the Sharon Tate murder is notorious for being brutal. And I think that's like I think it was justified that he was that's one of the few I would argue justifiable like over acts of violence in a Tarantino movie. Like mm. it kind of that kind of blew my mind. In a weird way, it is interesting that the that the most pushback is when he is showing a uh, rewrite of history for one famous person getting murdered instead of slavery or the Holocaust, uh, yeah. where people are just like, "Well, this is kind of like you know, I've heard it, fun," and you're like, "Is it fun?" I had a hard time watching both of those movies and had a lot easier time watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood than I did watching Django or Inglorious Bastards. But also, you know, it's a passage of time and now it's where things things are a little bit different in how people take and talk about movies and, and is a little well, bit different. People, than so, people are also a little ago. bit sensitive. And I think this this is kind of like where like being woke, quote unquote, like bothers me because sometimes people try to be woke for people that they don't represent. And so like. I, every every few months now, you know, uh, it seems like a white person on Twitter tries to cancel Robert Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder. <laughs> yeah. Black Twitter is like, yo, that shit's mad funny. It's one of the it's funniest so things you've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, who are you arguing about saying this is racist for? I actually it, saw a whole Twitter account that was just devoted to Gen Z kids finding out about that and posting about it. And it was just all <laughs> screenshots of them being like, this guy. And that's like a comically over the, it's sort of a version of like portraying bad people not mm -hmm. getting it like ignorant people not getting it is people talk about even with like michael scott and the office where they're like could that exist and you're like but he's an ignorant guy doing ignorant stuff uh, i i i don't think they would have been able to do some of those jokes like some of the really good jokes i don't think they could do them right and that's that is you know sucks. kind of a shame because it's yeah. an ignorant guy saying ignorant stuff accurate to what that person would say i don't think we need yes. to make inaccurate people you can have ignorant people growing or not growing and having consequences in a movie and something like Absolutely. that like just like robert Downey jr wearing blackface is yeah. So accurate to what that guy's doing and what the giant joke they're trying to make is. Yes. But it's also like with like the office and stuff. If you watch enough episodes, you just know that Michael Scott is out of his goddamn mind. It has no idea which way is up. Like when he literally declares, he like he yells, I declare bankruptcy. And yeah. Oscar's like, hey, man, that doesn't actually mean anything. It's like, he's like, you know, you don't just say, you know, that you have bankruptcy it's like i didn't say it i declared it yeah. <laughs> right it's just it's a comedy so and, and, and he's a cartoon and he's he's a cartoon character and just let you know i don't it, it does seem a little bit like being offended at like hitler on a paper right well but what is the context what is what are they doing it if he it's it, someone can be a bad per, he can be a bad dude in a movie 
because they have to be everyone it, to be it doesn't have to be like full of good people somehow stumbling their way through things yeah my understanding is that it's not sympathetic at all towards hitler right no definitely not okay so yeah like man, i don't i almost wonder if some of those people that complained about it hadn't even seen the movie it's like if you know, i would argue someone, that would definitely probably is the case i feel yeah, like there's so, not enough like it's not doing enough in either direction, like right or wrong with it to cause a debate. Like it's just the existence of it is the only real argumentative piece somebody could have. I mean, I, I remember on Medium Popcorn when we first started, we had a guest on, I'm not going to say his name because he, you know, he's Hitler, curious. but uh, he, he's, <laughs> it's when um the, the Kirsten Wig Ghostbusters came out. And so oh, yeah. he on Facebook saying like, wow, this is like really bad. And like, it's, it's not like, I don't know why they did this. So we had him on the podcast and about 20 minutes into us, like breaking down the movie, he reveals he hasn't seen it. Oh but for God. the past 20 minutes, he's just been shitting on it. He's been sure. shitting on uh, Paul Feige. He's been shitting on um, Melissa McCarthy and Leslie Jones. And like just the fact that it was all females and they're bastardizing my childhood. I'm like, wait, but you've never, you, haven't, you didn't see the movie though. I mean, it's that still is okay. Unreal. It I mean, unreal. I'm a firm uh I haven't actually seen any Ghostbusters movies. Um but I I'm a firm believer of nothing is ruining your childhood cuz you know who the movie is for? Kids. And <laughs> yeah. you remember that movie that came out when you were a kid? It's for kids as well. Like so, and Star Wars being maybe the most extreme example of this because there was a 30 year gap or whatever between some of the movies, but it's not ruining your childhood because you know who the new ones are for? Kids. And then you know who the next ones are also for? Kids. And you know who's not a kid anymore? You. And so I'm sorry uh, yeah. that you don't like Ray. You know who loves her? Kids. And that's just kind of who it's for. And it's childhood for kids. already happened. And, you already you know, had your child. It can't get and, ruined. It already happened. It yeah, either, yeah. It, it either was bad or it was good. Whatever it was, it already happened. And if you could take a time machine back to your childhood and, ha- you know, you have bigger problems than the Star Wars, you'd be like trying to solve 9-11. And solve... Hopefully. Or, or possibly <laughs> get in on it early. There's probably money to be made. And if you <laughs> find that your childhood is the happiest time of your life, like you need to invest in therapy. That is a huge hugest piece of that that people do not acknowledge. It's like the, the, the crowd of people who like these movies are ruining my childhood. Like that's the biggest problem. There's like you are glorifying your childhood because yep. – You've not moved on since, and like that is a hundred percent true. Just let you could still go back and you know the cool part about the old Ghostbusters is they recorded all of them, and so you can they actually exist. go back and watch them, and they yes. have them all over. You can get them in multiple mediums and pretty much anything. And Ooh. the new one, you know who it's for? The people who were are that age that you were when you saw Ghostbusters and it changed your life. And that's why if I see Ghostbusters for the first time now, I bet I don't go buy a poster and I bet well, I do, you know, because it's not <laughs> for me and it's for kids. Well, also that, I think that that's why like, you know, they're doing the new sequel that has the original cast, like as their yes. actual characters. I, I get why Leslie Jones was like, what the fuck? Because it's, it's just essentially like they just erased what we did and they're just going back to the original so it's like, oh, fuck their efforts. And I, I get it. I get it. That's, that's, a, that's a crappy feeling, especially given that the studio didn't really have their backs the way I thought they should have when all the backlash with the, the casting announcements and stuff. But that's Hollywood, baby. It's all you know what's funny? Uh, just to give like a little inside like window into the between period of those two uh, events was like uh, me and my writing partner were pitching some stuff to Sony at the time. And Ghost Court was like uh, uh, Jason Reitman and Ivan Reitman's company that was just doing like those Ghostbuster movies. And in between this new one that's coming out and that uh, Kristen Wiig one, yep. they were basically trying to, the, the goal was uh, to have like a Ghostbusters universe. So they were taking pitches for things that were like 
tangentially Ghostbusters oriented. Mm-hmm. So like okay. either it had like something to do with an event in a Ghostbusters. It was like a side piece, if you will. And then when that movie came out and then had like very, very bad numbers and like very bad reviews and stuff, each meeting subsequently, it became less and less about like involving Ghostbusters in the thing. And I remember like our last meeting with them was like, you know, what if you guys just came up with like a horror movie and it's like, you know, a paranormal thing. And at the end, like maybe there's like a reference to a Ghostbuster. That's so like, fun. You know what? So basically like they a watched Ghostbusters adjacent thing to now just there might be a reference to a it Ghostbuster. It sounds like they watched movie. 10 Cloverfield Lane and they were yes. like, you know what we need you to do is make the version of that that's in the Ghostbusters. You should, you should, you, what you should do is just put out 10 Cloverfield Lane the movie but when I don't I don't know if you guys have seen it I don't want to spoil it. it's actually a really great movie that's with John Goodman right yeah yeah I, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think I saw that one it's real great um and so spoiler you can take your headphones off real quick. uh at the end maybe she so she when she finally escapes at the end of it instead of being in the Cloverfield universe there's just the stay puff marshmallow man is outside Ooh. instead of the Cloverfield uh uh universe then boom you got 10 Ghostbuster yeah. Lane. Also, they should have known that there was a Cloverfield universe because the guy's address had the name of the movie <laughs> it's in Cloverfield. it. Cloverfield. Um, you yeah. know, it, but John, movie's worth watching just because that's the prime example of how horror movie performances never get acknowledged for awards, even though John Goodman should have won an Oscar for it. It's the best anything oh, wow. can possibly be. He's so good. It's almost like it makes sense if you think you can act and then you watch that you're like well maybe i can write do you know what i mean it's like it is a <laughs> and it happens sometimes with horror movies but no one cares about them and i go on that tangent too often on this podcast like it, no one cares about them action movies and then i feel like uh uh history of violence with william hurt showing Ooh, up at the very end and like, yeah that's awesome that incredible i mean he got a nomination for that like rightfully so that dude shows up in a movie for 10 minutes and absolutely puts on an acting clinic and it's it's absolutely he probably should have won that oscar but like that's like an action. Action movies never get nominated. For What's anything. the lowest screen time of an Oscar winner? You know what? This is a whole different podcast. Uh, maybe Viola Davis. Uh, I think she was in it for seven minutes. Wow. Oh no, I think it's Judy Dench from Shakespeare in Love. Okay. I think I haven't seen that movie in a long time. Only like a few minutes. Yeah, she I think is only in that for like a two scenes. I feel like. Yeah. Yes. I I haven't seen Silence of the Lambs. How much is he actually in the movie? Oh, he's in he's the movie a very good amount. Okay, it's, so for some reason it struck me as yeah. one of those movies that he might barely be in, and then it's somehow. one of the shorter uh, performances for best actor, though. I think it, I because I did some research on Anthony Hopkins after he won, you know, for the Father, mm-hmm. and I remember reading something about his win for Hannibal Lecter. I think it's like the shortest amount for a lead like he's act. not on screen ninety percent of the movie. Yeah, exactly. no, it's Jodie Foster's movie, but he is. It's interesting that that movie holds up like extremely, extremely well, and it's interesting because like. Uh, I feel like his screen time in those sequels is also not that prime. I guess in the second one, which sucks, he's in it a lot, but like he's not in the other ones that much. Or he's not in Red Dragon at all. Red Dragon's kind of tight. <laughs> I haven't, well, uh, I haven't delved into there. that universe at all. Isn't there a whole television show that also? Talks oh no, about he is in Red Dragon. He's he is great in Red Dragon. Dragon. They, they kind of de-aged him back yeah. before that was a big thing. And uh, yeah, Hannibal the TV show is one of the best TV shows I've ever seen in my life. That's awesome. It's really incredibly gory. I don't know how NBC aired that stuff when it first came on, but it's on Netflix. It's amazing. That's awesome. We'll check it out. I think hey Red guys. Dragon is also on Netflix and is amazing. We I got just to, can't. Uh... Edward Norton like, is hit or miss <laughs> with me, man. That's fair. I feel like he's so fun in that because it's like the perfect, like he's such a squirrely, like anti, or not anti-hero, but just like not a guy who you would want to be solving your case mm-hmm. and I, I like when you have like a, a a loser hero or like a guy who's like a, a normal guy hero 
And that guy's just like, I don't think this guy would be a good cop. Like, this is awesome. This dude is like really bad at doing this. <laughs> it's good shit. And also spoiler alert, but just like having like a blind person inside a house that is on fire is like a top 10 worst nightmare. If you're blind, that's gotta just be like an absolute fucking horrifying experience. Like that's just such a fun idea. Fun. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, not fun it's for just her, such a like, little quirky idea. You know what I mean? A, for a writer just to come with like, Oh, let's have a blind yeah. person in the house. that's on fire. Like, damn, that should not have taken 2014 years to come up with. That is really funny. <laughs> right. It's like, they actually wrote it in two AD, but they didn't have the digital cameras back then. So they, they weren't able to get it down. Uh, guys here, we got a couple of, of, uh, podcast games that we're going to play. This first game we're going to play is called Get before and afters before and afters. Brandon Todd, how this game works is I have pushed two movies into one. I smashed two movie plots into one movie plot. I will tell you the smashed together plot. You have to tell me the smashed together movie title. Does that make sense? Hell Some movie yeah. title examples could be Saving Private Silverman, Fargo, The Wolf of Wally Street. There's a lot of different ways these are smashed together, usually in frustrating ways. Um, does that make sense? I'll tell yep. you the plot. You guys tell me the title. You're more than welcome to work together on this however you'd like. Uh, here goes number one. We'll start off a little easy. First one. A man falls in love with an operating system that controls a talking Volkswagen Beetle. Herbie the love bug. I'll take that. that. Herbie fully loaded is what we were looking for. Oh, Herbie fully loaded. Um, I I am really good at these on the podcast, but man, when we were doing with the audience on stereo, the audience of this podcast is 1 million times smarter than me when it comes to before and after. This is, it is incredible. Uh, we'll do number two. Number two, we got, uh, I guess we kind of just have two. <laughs> Here we go. Trying to help those around her, a Parisian server becomes employed at the White House and serves eight different presidents throughout America's tumultuous years. Oh, what was the, the name of that last one? The, the first Spanglish one is- Butler. Was that close? What was it? The Spanglish Butler. It's not the Spanglish Butler. That, it's Amelie, right? Isn't the first one Amelie? Mm-hmm. The Amelie Butler? The American Amelie American Butler? <laughs> You're pretty the stupid. butler Amelie. You guys have it. It's very stupid. We're looking for Amelie Daniels, the butler. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's Amelie really Daniels. Daniels had his name in the title. <laughs> yeah, he Amelie loves to do that. Daniels, the butler. Wait, Amelie was per- Peruvian? Parisian. Parisian. Oh, okay. I thought you said Peruvian. So oh, I yeah. No. Uh, this next game we're going to play is a game we've actually only played one time before, and it doesn't make a ton of sense. This game is called Obscure. Kyle tells an obscure movie character you have to guess what movie that character is from and justify why your guess was better than your opponent's guess. So how this game works is I'm going to tell you a completely random movie character. You have to guess what movie they're from and then tell me why your guess was better than your opponent's guess through some sort of justification, whether it's plot, actor, director, anything like that. I need you to grasp at straws for why you were better. Um, So let me, I'm going to find a random movie character real quick and then you guys have to guess what movie that character is from. All right? So I am looking for Okay, here's here's your here's your movie. You know what? We'll do this one. Margot Wendis. Your movie character is Margot Wendis. Uh, Brandon, you will guess what movie they're in first. Then Todd, you will guess Margot Wendis. 
I want to say True Grit. True it's Grit? Like Western. Okay. Todd, what movie is Margot Wendis in? The only two cinematic Margots I have is Margot Tenenbaum and Margot from Christmas Vacation. Uh, so I'm going to go with Christmas Vacation. It is uh, Margot Wendis is from... Uh, uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Dial M for Murder, oh. the 1954 oh. Dial M for Murder. Um, so it, she is, is played by Grace Kelly. And the movie came out in 1954, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, you know, about, about a tennis player trying to arrange his wife's murder. Uh, Brandon, why was True Grit a better answer than what did you say, Todd? Oh, Christmas Vacation. Christmas Vacation. <laughs> Well, yeah, because the name just sounds like something you would hear like down south, like when someone's looking to like either get revenge on their murder lover or to like find the the oil so they can okay. make it rich. Okay, uh, that's fair. Okay, I can see some connection there, Todd. Why was uh, um, the movie I already can't remember that you said again? <laughs> it was Christmas Vacation. Christ- why is Christmas Vacation a better <laughs> guess than than True Grit? <laughs> Why is it closer uh, to Dial M for Murder? I would say um, it's closer to Dial M for Murder in that uh, Christmas Vacation is a very well shot movie. Like that is there. They don't waste a lot of screen real estate. Everything is either a joke or a setup to a joke. Uh, in specific, the Christmas tree crashing through uh, Margot and Todd's uh, ceiling, Margot being played by Julie Louis-Dreyfus, is one of the highlights of my childhood when it comes to comedy. Um and so that highlight would keep me from dialing M for murder when I eventually marry somebody. I won't kill them because that was a funny moment that I had as a kid. Oh, okay. that was a lot more elaborate. That was very <laughs> elaborate. I'm gonna, you know what? Took a lot of turns almost, there. I'm but... gonna say almost too specific. <laughs> I'm gonna say it was too specific. So I'm gonna give that to Brandon. I'm gonna say oh, Brandon right. that. Fair Just enough. purely but true grit. Feels like it probably had a Margot in it. I know that yours did, Todd, but yours too, too specific. Yeah, he started getting water in the eyes. Like, <laughs> I'm like worried about some if you have or haven't done anything now, Todd. That's a little bit too specific. I All like right. this game. I'm pumped. This is it's awesome. a fun game. Um, <laughs> He's like, I like revealing. Like, la- <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we'll come up with a better title for it. The last game we're going to play is called Guess What Movie Kyle's Dad is Describing, Having Only Watched the Trailer and oh. Never Having Heard of the Movie The Game. Okay. okay. How this game works is my dad watches a movie trailer. He describes what's happening in that trailer. You have to guess what movie the trailer is from. Uh, for context, my dad has not been to a movie theater since he saw the original Space Jam. So it has been a long time. He does not know <laughs> actors. He does not know people. He does not know movies. What? He definitely he does not know any of this. So uh, I will play it. It could be any movie ever. Um, I tell people that. But remember, it's probably not super old because movie trailers for old we did like vertigo once and the movie trailer for vertigo is like here's the movie vertigo like it's like (laughs) alfred hitchcock made the movie and it's called vertigo here's the star of vertigo yeah exactly so movie trailers popcorn only 20 cents they would literally just be like you have nothing to do and this is the only movie that comes out this year vertigo from the guy who directed the last movie that came out because he does four a year for 30 years (laughs) You really uh, did crank them out. Dude, it's wild. You, how it's did, who had the time? And for how much? Okay. So here's the trailer. You guys guess what movie this, this trailer is my dad's describing. Are you ready? Okay. He's talking so fast. I can't understand him. They're both talking fast. 
That's a fun hat. There's a dune buggy race and sand everywhere. The narrator even talks fast. Oh, I got this. They're both in flower shirts and driving through the desert. Oh, uh, it's a true romance, right? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. It's like a it desert. is Fear oh. and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> he doesn't know how long it's been. Weird colors, the crazy volume. angles, tons of bizarre quick shots. He's in a bathtub. There we go. That was I, I, I have to say that was the best description he has ever given for a movie trailer. That was like dead on. That was really I can, impressive. I can never watch that movie nor get through the book. I don't know if it's like Hunter. Oh, Tom, the movie's like, great. I just can't get through any of that for some reason. I, I always think with something like super, super specifically stylized like Hunter S. Thompson, if you don't connect with it, you don't got to keep pushing yourself to try exactly. and do it. I think with anything like that where the style, is, like especially if it's like a flowery style, if it doesn't connect with you, don't make yourself spend a month trying to read this thing that you can't yeah. get through yeah. if you can't get through you can't i mean it with pretty much you know with any author it's not really worth it but especially with someone where like their style is the defining feature of what's happening maybe even more than the content it's hard Ooh. and if you're watching a movie you don't connect with it well you know you don't get i'll just say time. this in defense of the movie if you watch it as a absurd comedy a la like big lebowski it okay. is much more enjoyable than like if you are watching it as a serious movie. And you can do it as both. There's enough there that it could be a serious movie, and there's also enough there that it can just be like these are. How do you watch characters. it? Is it differently? Do you not laugh if you're watching it as a serious movie? Do you like sit different, like with your back better <laughs> posture? Oh, I think like there's. I think it's just like letting the. Uh, th- there's a lot of thematic elements that go on there, and they're not like shy about it. Uh, and I think like letting them sink in and thinking about them and having like an active viewing experience, if you will, is like taking it serious. But if you just have a passive viewing experience, just look at like these are two completely fucking ridiculous human beings. It's really funny to watch the decisions and choices they make as like characters. Okay, okay. I'll I'll definitely revisit. It. I'll probably end up watching that before I watch JoJo Rap. <laughs> <laughs> I recommend that. That's a good choice. That's a very uh, good choice. Well, hey, that's it for us. Brandon, thank you for coming on and thank you for thank having never seen JoJo Rabbit. Hell Todd, yeah, thank man. you for coming on and thank you for having actually seen the movie we did for the first time in a while. <laughs> uh, Brandon, let everyone know where to find you and stuff you got going on. I bet we got a bunch of people listening who'd be interested in stuff you're doing. Hey, hey, y'all can follow me at American Collins on all social media platforms. If you like the movie talk, uh, check out my movie podcast, Media and Popcorn, where Ron Tomatoes accredited and all that good stuff. And so uh, it's available on all podcast players. You'll know it's the right podcast when you hear the Easy Lover drums from Phil Collins kick in. Hell yes. Uh, Hell yes. uh, I got Drunk Black History. So um, if you're in the New York area, Saturday, June 19th at the Bell House in Brooklyn, we're going to be celebrating unsung black heroes in culture. And if you can't make it, we have live stream tickets at drunkblackhistory.com. And I'll also be at some point on the YouTube page. So just check out all there that you go. stuff. That's this Saturday, Island. everyone listening. That is this Saturday, drunkblackhistory.com. If you're in New York, go. Oh, yeah. you, mean, you can go to things. So go to a thing now. It's so sure, open. We're now. It's, it's weird. We're allowed. Yeah. Um, thank you guys very much for listening. I hope everyone has a wonderful Thursday or whenever you're listening to this. And then bye. A podcast network.